You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. And in this special feature, we'll be taking a look at the Cortez Natural Food Co-op, one of the island's significant employers and, for many residents and tourists, one of the attractions of Cortez Island. We'll learn a bit about the co-op's history and then interview two of its key figures, the general manager and the board president. I'll be asking them questions like, how is a co-op different from the average retail operation? What are some of the challenges of operating a small retail business on a small island? How did the co-op fare during those difficult pandemic years, and how's it doing now in this somewhat post-pandemic period? And what are their plans for the future? But first, a little history. The story of the Cortez Co-op goes back almost 20 years. It was back in June of 2003 that Jude Marantet donated her personal business, a Horizon Distributor Buying Club, to become the first seed of the Cortez Co-op. It all started in a small back room of a restaurant owned by Scott Merckx, and several people volunteered their time to serve on the board, to build shelves, and work at the growing store. Several individuals lent money or bought extra shares to help pay for the infrastructure and equipment, including using their personal credit cards to pay for the first stock. In July of 2004, the co-op formally incorporated under the BC Cooperative Act. By the end of that year, Scott Merckx had agreed to let the co-op take over half the space occupied by the restaurant, and rapid development continued. The co-op experienced tremendous growth and passed a million dollars in sales by the end of 2007. But the store needed more space and more equipment. So the co-op added a four-door display freezer, a 20-foot produce cooler, they built an addition to the front of the building, and in late 2010, the Sunset Restaurant had to shut down. The property's wastewater system had failed, and the co-op acquired the restaurant's equipment and all the floor space. With help from member loans and a grant from the Cooperative Development Institute, a cafe opened in the summer of 2011. Unfortunately, it was not a financial success. But in the spring of 2012, the co-op started a bakery operation as the foundation of a new cafe which opened that summer, and that bakery-cafe combination in some form continues to this day. Almost from the beginning, the co-op had been hoping to purchase the property that Scott Merckx had been renting from School District 72. The 2.8-acre parcel is in the heart of Manson's Landing, and many co-op members felt it should really be owned by the community. Formal negotiations began in 2010. It took countless hours for the co-op, the school district, and the province of BC to come up with the purchase agreement. It was four years later that the co-op began a fundraising campaign in 2014 to raise money for the land purchase. They succeeded in gathering $76,000 in donations from community members. Later in 2014, the membership approved a $250,000 business loan from Van City Credit Union in order to complete, at last, the land purchase. That money was used also to build a new wastewater system and to invest in several other capital improvements. On March 23, 2015, title was transferred and the infrastructure improvements were complete by the end of that year. 
and the end result was the co-op pretty much as we know it today. So that brings us to the present day and our interview with a couple of key people from the co-op. So I'd like to welcome Mary and Amy. Thank you for taking the time to be interviewed, and perhaps you'd like to introduce yourselves? My name is Amy Robertson, and I am the current chair of the board of the Cortez Natural Food Co-op and have been on the board now for seven years. My name is Mary Lavelle. I'm currently the general manager at the Cortez Natural Food Co-op, and I have been working at the co-op for one year. So, full disclosure, uh, I have also been on the board of the co-op for many years, but for the purposes of this interview, I'm going to pretend I know absolutely nothing about it. So, how did each of you get involved with the co-op? So I first moved to Cortez in 1998, and there were a group of us that worked with Jude Marintet to bring quality organic food onto the island. And in 2003, the co-op was looking for a location and ended up in the building where they are now with some assistance from many community members. And I had a shift one day a week in 2004 on Thursdays and would get paid $8 an hour in retail food. So you were working on the barter system. The barter system. And quite often I had my three-year-old with me at the store, almost 20 years ago. And how about you, Mary? How did you first encounter the co-op? I first encountered the co-op when I moved to the island in 2004 and very quickly became a member. It was at its very, very beginning stages. They were soliciting memberships out of Manson's Hall at the time. And one of my friends at the time, Elizabeth Burr, was part of the organization. And so we became members. And then a little after that, and I'm not sure the year, to be honest, but somewhere around 2000 six or seven, I did one shift a week. My children were very small still, and it was a perfect uh, extra job for me. And I did, yeah, I did an evening shift and my kids would come and bring me dinner. My husband, of course, and uh, they need a little help. (laughs) And, and since then, so I've always been a member, I've always been a supporter, and I've always shopped there. So that was my first involvement. And it wasn't until last year that I became the general manager. And were you ever on the board? I was never on the board. It was always one of my intentions to to work on the board. But I have a rule of not being on more than two boards at a time. (laughs) And I like to perhaps keep it down these days to one board at a time, which I am currently on, Children's Forest. And uh, Amy, when did you first get involved with the board of the co-op? I guess if you were a member worker back in 2004, then... You were de facto on the board because it was a worker co-op. But when did you join the board more in its present form? I joined the board when I moved back up here after a a stint in Vancouver. So in 2015, I rejoined the board of the co-op. So the board of the co-op, just technically, legally, what is the co-op? So the Cortez Natural Food Co-op is an independently operated cooperative that is a member of the BC co-ops. So we do fall under their guidelines and and rules and also their support network when it comes to questions we have about what it is to be a co-op. And we're a member's co-op, 
which means that we're member supported and we have a membership of about 380 people and is run by a board of directors, which is a volunteer group. At the moment, we have eight directors and we work very closely with the general manager, not only doing the governance part of it, we dabble a bit in operations and some of it is really just about support and casting our net wider so that we're making sure that we make the best decisions on behalf of the community. And do we know how many members belong to the co-op? The co-op membership of people who are up to date and paid for their operations fees this year is 347 members. There's a larger membership that maybe haven't paid their operational fees. And I don't have that number, but people come and go in, in that way, whether they're here or not here. Core membership is pretty steady at between 350 380. How would you compare that membership to the co-op's customer base overall? Like how large is the number of people that you serve every year? Well, the number of people we serve every year is, is far greater than that. These are our core people who, who shop either for the six months that they're here or all year. But beyond that, we have thousands of people who come through the shop in the summer and and then many people who shop without a membership. Hmm. And about how many million dollars a year are you doing at the moment in gross sales? Gross sales in the year 2021-2022 is 2.3 million. And gross sales the prior year, 2020 to 2021, was almost 2. well, 2.33. And in terms of the number of people hired, like the number of employees, staff, uh, where do you rank among the island businesses in terms of the size of your staff? How significant an employer is the co-op for Cortez Island? Well, we have about 20 on staff right now. Yeah, maybe 22, and we go up closer to 30 at full capacity. So we're smaller than the marina. We're smaller than Hollyhock. Good question. I'm not sure about Island Sea Farms and the school itself. I don't know when you add up groundskeepers and bus drivers and maintenance people where the Cortez School ranks in that. I would say we're significant, though. We're we're in the, the top... You know, probably the top five. So back to those members. Some members are up to date and pay their annual operations fee, and some have bought their member shares but allow their memberships to lapse, and some people just shop at the co-op without ever bothering to become a member. So what motivates a person to become an active member? Membership has its privileges. So... When you're a member of the co-op, not only are you just supporting the entire organization with your dollars, we have member discounts every month or so. We have a newsletter that is sent out to our members. They can have a charge account and they are eligible to vote at the AGM for the board of directors and whatever other bylaws or policies that we're discussing for the year, as well as bulk ordering. Yes. Pre-orders. Yes. There are, there are some perks. We are reinstating our quarterly member benefit. That is a 10% off one shopping in the time period, the allotted two-week time period. So member choice, you can come in and do your great big shopping and get your 10% off, or you can take it off a smaller shopping as you wish. And we are also going to reinstate the draw. 
And this time we thought we would do it as a, rather than a gift basket that will put a credit onto the member's account and they can spend the money the way they like. Well, so there are some advantages to being a paid-up member at the co-op, but what's it like being on staff um, for a start? Uh, What does the org chart look like? The top of the org chart is the general manager, and reporting directly to the manager, we have our till supervisor, the buyers, the bakery supervisor, the kitchen supervisor, and the front of house supervisor who's in charge of the deli. Buyers are several, so the management team, the general manager, and all of those folk, we make up nine people, I believe, out of our organization. Till supervisors have store clerks directly under them, and the bakery supervisor obviously has staff, and so does the kitchen and the front of house. So everybody has staff under them except for the buyers who are self-standing and report to me. So it sounds like at least half of your regular staff of 20 have some managerial or supervisorial responsibility. That's correct. Yes, we're we're and it's maybe a third when we're f- fully operational, but it's 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 squarely half when we're in the winter. So we have a lot of people who take a lot of responsibility, a very dedicated core group of people who take part in uh, decision makings, who who bring all their opinions and their thoughts to the manager. And we meet monthly to discuss each department and the organization as a whole. And it sounds to me like that org chart is not very deep. There's not a whole lot of levels to it. It's only three. And the, the top level, I suppose, above that would be us reporting to the me reporting to the board of directors. So the superstructure is the board of directors themselves. Even though it's no longer a pure workers' co-op, it seems like it's still a whole lot flatter uh, than your average corporate structure. It's uh, more like a mom-and-pop store, really. It is, because even even the non-supervisory staff take a lot of responsibility they often are working by themselves. They get on with their shift and they do their work and they know what they need to do. And so there's not a lot of micromanaging going on. Everyone takes a, a slice of it. And Mary, is it true that no matter what level you are as an employee, that if you work a minimum of 20 hours a week, you're eligible for staff benefits? That's correct. So anybody who works more than 20 hours a week is eligible for the staff benefits. And that includes dental, some life insurance, medical coverage so you can get your extra wellness treatments as well. So that's quite a perk for folks that put in the hours. In recent years, we hear a lot about how the ratio of executive pay to line worker pay has just gone through the roof in the last 30 years. In 2018, the average Canadian CEO was paid 149 times the wage of the average worker uh, but the U.S., of course, was the global leader with a ratio of like 265 to 1. Um, but what is that ratio at the co-op from the lowest to highest paid employee? So a factor of 2? Well, it's less than... Yeah, you're, you're right, about 1.6 or 1.7. 1.6-ish. Less than a factor of 2. So would you say that being not primarily a for-profit business, not having to pay off shareholders, not having to pay grossly inflated executive compensation, does that make the co-op able to devote more of its revenue to its staff? I think one of our mandates is to create good employment for islanders who are here 
full-time year-round. And for our youth returning in the summer, it's a great place for people who move to the island to start out and get to know the culture of the island by working with us. Do you want to mention that both the board and the staff get a 10% discount? I guess we could say that as a perk too, as a, along with being able to get benefits or even if you're not eligible for benefits. Once you've worked 40 hours for us, all staff receive a 10% discount on all of their purchases at the co-op. We also do other things for our staff. You get a free soup and a free fancy coffee or tea. While you're working on shift, we pay our half-hour break, and that's certainly going beyond labor standards. Of course, everybody, as everybody in BC now has five paid sick days, so we are able to encourage our staff to stay home when they're sick without losing income. Stat holidays, all those things, we, we follow all the rules, and we make them even better. And And as far as, you know, profit. I always see any of the money above our expenses that we managed to to hold on to. It's rolled right back into the business. It's rolled right, right back into our infrastructure. It's rolled back into wages. There is never really a profit that is held for anyone, for, for stakeholders. It's always about making enough that we can keep ourselves viable and sustainable and that's the goal, really. Well, thank you both. That's quite a complete picture of the business and makes me feel pretty good about our co-op. But I know you also face some very real challenges as a retail grocery store on a small island in a tourist economy. So tomorrow in part two, we'll talk about some of those challenges and also the challenge of the pandemic years and how the co-op came through all that. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. And as always, thanks for listening.